Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi everybody, welcome back. It's been a well, quite a while, I think. Welcome to Wild Wild Podcast. Um, this is the eighth film, I think, now in a season of post-apocalypse films. So we're uh, we're approaching the end game, if you will. Although actually, we did that. We've done that one already. Um, we've passed the end game. Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Adrian, and uh, I'd like to welcome my ever-reliable co-host Rod Barnett. Welcome, Rod. I'm glad to be here, glad to be back talking about these crazy films. I love them. Yeah. Now, Rod, I thought before we start, we'd play a quick game, if, you, if you'll if you bear with me. Uh-huh. So, we have listeners all over the world, and so I thought it would be fun if you could name a country, and then I will tell you how many downloads we've had in that country. Oh, oh, okay. Um, Japan. And there, there are quite a few. Japan. Oh, I saw Japan on the list. Japan, we have had 43 downloads. Cool. Good, good, good. If you're listening, say hi. Yeah, exactly. We need to do more to penetrate the, the Japanese market. And that yeah. came out completely wrong. <laughs> uh, okay, give me another one. Um, Australia. Australia. Actually, Australia is our one, two, three, fourth most popular country. We've had over 500 downloads in Australia. Cool, cool, cool. Which, uh, yeah, again, um, maybe it's the Mad Max connection with this season. I don't know. <laughs> it could be, could be. I mean, today's film is basically the Road Warrior. So, oh well, don't don't get don't give it all away. No. <laughs> okay, try another one. Bit more, maybe a bit more of an obscure country this time. Oh, okay. Well, um, well, I could get. Uh, well, okay. I'll st- I'll go European and go with say Belgium. Belgium. Okay, Belgium. We have had seventy-four downloads in wow. Belgium. We have the most listeners in Brussels, uh, in Belgium, of that 74 downloads. It gets that granular? You can get it down to yeah, city? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we've had 54 listeners. Or maybe it's people who are all uh, members of the European Parliament just uh, checking in. Of course. I don't know. Of course. Of course. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah. So, do you want to guess where our most popular country is? 
probably the United States. It is, yes. And to uh, continue the game a bit more, who do you, which uh, city do you think listens to us the most? Which city? Yeah, have a go. We're actually listened to in quite a lot of cities, many of which I've never heard of. Um, wow, that's a tough. That's a tough choice. Oh, let's let's gamble and say Los Angeles. It is Los Angeles. Really? Yeah. Oh, I I honestly did not think that that was going to be true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. But we are the the most popular in uh, in Los Angeles. Um. Yeah. So. Again, if you're listening, whoever you are out there, get in touch. Let us know who you are. It'd be cool to uh, to hear from you all. We could also I'll just give you a couple more before we finish, because <laughs> I think this is really cool. It is. We have listeners in Poland. We have been downloaded in Pakistan, uh, Russia, Indonesia. We have listeners in Hong Kong. Um, people have downloaded us in uh, Mumbai. Uh, Peru, which is quite fun. Yeah, we've had 53 downloads in Lima, Peru. Nice. So, yeah, so we are a global podcast here, Rod. We even, I mean, I don't know how accurate this is, but we've had one download in Iran. Really? Which is, which is interesting. Well, I'm, I guess, okay. Yeah, I mean, but... great. Whoever you are, please get in touch. <laughs> let um, us know. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, uh, just loads of countries. So anyway, I thought that was quite exciting when I last looked at that to see um, where we are uh, listened to and just be great, great to hear from you and you know, let us know who you are and where you are and all that. We do get uh, people, We've had a, I have got an, one email, which I'll share with you at the end. But um, But yeah, wherever you are in the world, I guess, you know, Maybe wherever we are at the moment, we're all thinking about the fact that we might be approaching some kind of post-apocalypse. So <laughs> yeah. people are just you know looking for podcasts that are tackling the serious issues. And <laughs> uh, and here we are. Well, just out of curiosity, what's the, uh, what, what's the temperature been like in your neck of the woods the past oh, few days? Roasting. I mean, today's actually cooled down, but the last month was the hottest June in the history of the UK. Yes. And I spend most of the month frying. Um, my son couldn't sleep at night in his bedroom because he's up on the attic and it was oh. too hot. Oh my um, God. We've all just been melting because I'm right on the south coast. Actually, Eastbourne is the hottest, no, what is it? The sunniest place in the UK. Oh. Like, like officially. So, yeah, very hot, hot at work. My students are all too hot. Well, everyone's just too hot. How about how about you? Well, the that's just it. The I know that the comparisons will be difficult because you guys have uh, you guys use the, the the Celsius scale and we use the Fahrenheit. Uh, but the the thing the, the the big plus I think for the Fahrenheit scale all comes down to when it gets to be too warm because we can honestly say things like it was a hundred degrees and we're, we're being accurate because. Yesterday, I uh, just just last it was it was late in the afternoon. A friend came over, and we went. We got in my car to go to a local restaurant to eat, and uh, my car has a uh, will tell you the the exterior temperature, and it registered a one o one when we got in the car, and uh, it managed to get we managed to uh, 
to get it get it down. It was lower than that. Once we came out of the restaurant, about an hour and twenty minutes later, it was only ninety eight. Hey, <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculously high. You need a jumper. It's just yeah. madness, madness, madness. Yeah. And so I know We're that all... uh, I know that as far as the Celsius scale is concerned, we we will hear someone we'll hear someone dealing with Celsius say, "My goodness, it was forty, and we were like. We'd be, we'd be, I'd, I'd beg for 40 yeah. right now. No, but, yeah. we're not certainly not 40 degrees here. I mean, that's, yeah, that would be very hot. But yeah, we are melting. I mean, this film, I think in particular, seems quite appropriate nah. for the uh, the current climate that we are in. Um, so this, uh, this time, this episode, we are talking about a film called The Exterminators of the Year 3000. Also known, uh, well, its original title, Il Giustiziere della Strada. And I was trying to work out the translation of that. And it kind of, if you just do a full Google Translate of the whole title, it comes up, it comes back as the highwaymen, which doesn't make a lot of sense. But the uh, Giustiziere, can't even say it, um, is kind of like a law bringer or like a judge, a justice of the peace. So it seems like the Italian title is playing on the cops, which only a part of this film for about the first five minutes. So it's very confusing. And well, also, yeah, that's, that is very strange. Yeah. And the Exterminators of the Year 3000 is not that much more of a helpful title, although it is the year 3000. But um, there's a car which is referred to as the Exterminator. Yeah. Um, there are a bunch of people out in the desert who, according to the IMDb, are the evil exterminators, but I don't think they're ever actually referred to as such in the film, so it's a bit odd. But who, you know, never let a title get in the way of a good story, I guess. So, um, yeah, Exterminators of the Year 3000, directed by Giuliano Carmineo, um, who is very prolific, and made a lot of westerns, which, of course, this film was shot in and around Almeria. I mean, there's basically a film where they managed to get away with building no sets, I think. Maybe oh, more. I know. Um, because they just shot the whole thing outside in the desert. And they shot it in the same locations as, as all the spaghetti westerns were just a few years before. Uh -huh. So this director sometimes went under the name of Anthony Ascott. He did do another um, film in this area, this region. Is it Ratman? Yeah, uh, 1988. Uh, is that a kind of post-apocalypse film? I've never seen that one. No, no, no. It's it's well, a horror that film. It's a and, horror film. Oh, never mind. Yeah, and it's one that I can, I can honestly say I've been meaning to watch it for a very long time and still have not gotten around to it. I feel kind of I feel kind of uh, embarrassed to a degree because I 
I, I've known about it and been curious about it for, for a very long time and still have not actually pushed play. Oh, right. Yeah, me neither. But he did do, Mutbro's better known for doing four of the Sartana films. Yep. Um, there are more than four of those, right? I think, depending on how five? you count, there may be between five and 250, but I'm yeah, not that's positive. True. Uh, so... <laughs> Uh, good points. Good yeah, point. Yeah. So, but he kind of is known as one of the uh, one of the creators of the the Sartana stuff, the Sartana yeah. uh, num- you know, films in general. Um, yeah. That's what he's most famous for, as far as your you know spaghetti western aficionados are concerned. Mm-hmm. But he did also do uh, the case of the bloody Iris, the yes, Jallo, which is which, which I is a really popular love. one. That, that's a yeah. great one. Yeah. So he's done, he done, obviously, in the 70s, uh, some of the sex comedies and things like that, as well as they all did. Um, we don't need to dwell on that too much, don't worry. Um, but yeah, so really prolific uh, and interesting director, again, going back to uh, the, the sort of early 60s. He did one of the Ringo films, which, of course, there are loads of those, too. Well done. Um, but yeah, so I think apart from Sartana I'd, and the the Jallo, most of these films I'm not familiar with. They're, again, with the chocolate, like, as we said before, with all the comedies, they tend not to travel. So with a lot of these directors, there's a big chunk of their filmography that you just no one outside of Italy has seen. This, yeah, this is true. And, and the thing is, the, the, uh, to, be, to, be, to be straightforward, to, we as exploitation fans, we're only ever really interested in seeking out the, the, the things that fit into nice neat little genres that we get curious about and so we do miss out on um, a certain number of well let's put it this way not a lot of italian dramas get the exploitation treatment or the uh the the uh, are desired by people who are interested in well i don't know post-apocalyptic films and so even if directors did dip their toes into say you know courtroom dramas or anything of that nature uh chances are good that we may, you know, we, 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 we may never see them. And because there just didn't seem to have been a market for that kind of thing outside of the home country where they were, were marketed. And so they may not even have an English dub, uh, depending on when they were produced. So, yes. yeah, yeah. The, the, so you can look at his long, I mean, very long career and his large number of credits and, and think to yourself, wow, I wonder what some of these are. And as soon as you start Digging into them, you start to realize, well, okay, okay, so nobody saw a market for this outside of maybe yeah. just Europe, you know. Yeah. And uh, one of the writers, I think he's a returning writer for the podcast, Dardano Sacchetti. Oh, yes. Pretty sure we've talked about him before, uh, who's written a whole ton of great stuff. But most of the stars of the film, are, with with one notable exception, are not really people who did much... Um, We've got our star, his, uh, whose character name, I don't know why, but his character's name is called Alien. Yeah, which no, is odd, to say the no least. No sense to that at all. Um, played by Robert Iannucci. And I've tried looking stuff up about him, and there's not much out there. He only did three films. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, two films and a TV show. So, well, the uh, the good news is is that the, um, the American uh, Blu-ray... Uh, has uh, an interview with him. Oh, really? Oh, I don't have that. Yeah, uh, Code Red, when they initially did a, a Blu-ray uh, for the film, and then it, uh, they found him, interviewed him, uh, even had him do a uh, 
sat down and do a, 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 a kind of running commentary track as well. Oh. And so uh, what, what it is is um, he was a Calvin Klein model um, who got, uh, got pulled into doing those few movies that he did almost by chance, mainly because of his, uh, mainly because of his, uh, uh, his, uh, oh, I almost said broker that made it, that made, made it, makes him sound like a hooker. Uh, <laughs> uh, mainly agent? because, mainly because of his agent who, right. uh, who, uh, got, got him, uh, you know, this, this was his first film. Uh, this, this, this was his first film. He only did a few others. Yeah. Uh, went, went back to doing uh, what he was uh, much better known for, and and these days, you know, has has done a number of different things and is doing quite well. Still lives in California, but it is it is interesting to to hear his uh, his re- recollections of the process uh. of making the film and everything. And the the shot to me was that although I knew almost nothing about him. Um, I was I was kind of surprised that he's he comes off as well as he does in this yeah. film, and he is, doesn't he look like Franco Nero, a little a little bit. Just I, a, he, yeah, he, yeah, he does. Yeah, it's really striking. I thought, that and I think maybe that that's may... one of the reasons they cast him. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, he's very good. Just uh, it's an interesting sort of anti-hero character. Um, and then he has a uh, there's some a sort of love interest and a character who, uh, played by Alicia Morrow whose name is Trash, yeah. which I thought was funny. I know. Given uh, pretty sure we've heard that name before more than a few times. And yeah. tra- Trash as a as a as a name is something that uh, I don't know. It doesn't usually conjure up the the, the best <laughs> ideas in your head for what no. the character is going to be. But no, in this case, she's kind of the voice of reason and the the. Uh, the moral center of a lot of this. Yeah. And uh, a couple of others worth mentioning, um, Eduardo Fajardo, because this, I was yes. going to say, this is obviously a Spanish co-production, Yeah, which I, I'm i assuming means you know a lot more about or you recognize more of these people than I do, but he's he's an interesting guy who's been in tons of stuff. Oh, including definitely. Including lots of, lots of spaghetti westerns. Well, that well, that and uh, having run across him repeatedly doing uh, the Nashi cast, yeah. Uh, not necessarily just in uh, Nashi related films, but also in films that, you know, genre films made in Spain. His he uh, he's somebody who's I, I, I always get a kick out of spotting him because he's, he's got a distinctive face and he's also mm-hmm. very, very good. He's been in so many movies. I mean, the 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 list of of uh, spaghetti westerns alone that he was in in the 60s yeah. is as long as your arm. But his career started back in the uh, in the late forties. Um, he's he's one of those guys who was just always working somewhere in the film industry in Europe. I mean, he was in. Uh, I mean, and for 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 people listening to this show, you might have seen him in Sabata. Mm-hmm. You might have seen him in uh, Campaneros, or um, oh my goodness, uh, the Two Faces of Fear. Uh, Oh my, Rico the Mean Machine. He's he's in Rico the Mean Machine. He's in Lisa and the Devil for uh for Mario Bava. Uh he's in the Killer Must Kill Again, which is something that we of course covered here on the show. But yeah, and um, he just he, he, the 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 list of his credits go on and on. Uh, recently, uh, he he he's he's got a wonderful role in uh, Murder Mansion or Maniac Mansion, depending on where where you're finding your print of it, which. 
It's finally oh, yeah. been released on uh, Blu-ray over here in the states a few years ago. That's in the Vinegar Syndrome box, isn't it? Well, it, it's, it's one of the yeah, exactly one yeah. of the Vinegar Syndrome uh, boxes. But you know, as for the spaghetti westerns, I mean, he was in the Mercenary. Uh, he was in so many films. He even had a role in uh, Argo Man, the Fantastic Superman. I mean, he's all over the place. And of course, the a lot of people are going to single him out because he's kind of unmistakable once you see Django as well as he plays uh, Major Jackson in yeah. that film. Uh, yeah, Eduardo Fajardo or Fajardo. I, I I'm I'm so terrible with pronouncing Spanish <laughs> it's names. Okay. It's, it it should have been a crime for me to get interested in Spanish cinema of any type. Uh, but he is, uh, he's amazing. And he's, uh, the, just having him in this was just an extra bonus. I just wish he yeah. was in it a little bit more. Yeah. And ironically, considering his history, right, riding horses around the, uh, the deserts of Almeria, he's basically indoors for this entire I know. time he's on screen. He doesn't get out the, into the desert much. One other, just, I think one last name worth mentioning as well is Fernando Bilbao, um, another Spanish actor, I think who has been in Jess Franco films and Antonio Margariti films. And he plays the, um, what was his name? Like Sitting Bull? Chief Bull? Oh, cra was... Crazy Bull. Crazy Bull, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's very much modeled on uh, the sort of Mad Max bad guys. Yes, exactly. Mohawk and speaking a kind of Shakespearean dialogue, which is weird. I know but, that doesn't that that sometimes works effectively, and sometimes makes you go, yeah. "Oh, they really should have allowed the actors to." That's one of the things that came out of the interview with uh, with uh, Robert Adanucci uh, is uh, the English speakers in the in the cast were constantly attempting to get the director to let them kind of smooth out the the dialogue on the page yeah. because it was a rough it was a rough English translation from Italian right. and they were never allowed to do that, which is why the the dialogue dialogue is shall we just say, is memorable. Yeah. <laughs> because it is sometimes so clucky and weird. Yeah. Uh, because they would not let them alter the dialogue at all. I guess right. they just, they didn't trust them to do it. So that's, it. and that, yeah, so yeah. That, it's crazy. Yeah, Fernando Belbao, in the same year, 1973, he was in um, Antonio um Mr. Hercules Against Karate, or uh, Ming Regazzi. Um, yeah, which is yeah, that's not, a, not very good. But it's, a, it's an absolutely terrible film. It's yeah. in the category of possibly Margariti's worst film. Yeah, I don't know. But he, but in that same year, he's also in the Vampire's Night Orgy, which uh, I mean, that's got your name all over it, surely. Oh yeah, I I I really enjoy that film. I think yeah. it's a blast. And and the erotic rites of Frankenstein. And I enjoy that film too, although yeah. not as not as much as Vampire's Night Orgy. I have so to that's kind of that's all nineteen seventy three, which is a pretty good year for him. He, he must have been swimming in wine. Yeah, loads and loads and loads of stuff. Um, I'm missing out one, perhaps the most famous name in the whole film, because I'm going to save that for when he turns up on screen, and we'll talk well, uh, about him. Well, uh, well yeah, okay, we can. I, I know who you're obviously talking yes. about, but I would like to bring up um, uh, Alicia Morrow, who plays the oh, lead. Sorry, I, would yeah. like to point, I would like to point out one thing Go about on. her, which is that um, it was really bugging me, going back and watching this film, because uh, I, I kept trying to imagine, I was trying to, I was trying to put my finger on where do I know her from? Because there's something about her, and then I realized, oh yeah, 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 she was in Slugs and uh, Edge of the Axe. Oh for, yes, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jose Larraz, right? Well, uh, 
Slugs is Juan Piquer Simone. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Famous for Pieces and mm-hmm. other completely crazy films. Yes. And uh, yes, Edge of the Axe is uh, the uh, by the esteemed Her- uh, Jose Larraz. And uh, yeah. I absolutely love uh, both of those films. Uh, one for one reason and one for another reason. So, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was I, I I was trying so hard to figure out. It's like, I know, I know that face. There's something about it that's ringing a bell. And it's because I've probably watched uh, Slugs far too many times and Edge of the Axe. I know I've watched too many times. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, shall we? Oh, we haven't even mentioned our little hero, Tommy, as well. Luca oh, Venantini, yeah. um, who's a sort of child actor who manages to not be irritating, which is good. But he may he's probably more recognizable to most people for being in City of the Living Dead, uh, Gates of Hell. Yeah, so he's in that um, around the same time, I think. So he's just like one of those child actors. But then he's grown up and mostly been in Italian TV since then. But yeah, he's just worth mentioning, I think, for City of the Living Dead, which is always good for a laugh. I love that film. Should we ever go at the plot? So I'm using the um, the book here as usual. Uh, after the world ends, when post-apocalyptic movies were telling the future. And once again, because uh, this has been translated from French, and it's very poetic in its uh, in its plot description, so I'm not going to read it all, but in fact, they basically spend most of the article just with the opening of the film. The year is 3000, and the atom god spat out his wrath on the folly of men. And this sounds like it was... This sounds like it was written by Crazy Bull. That's how he speaks. (laughs) Yes, yes it does. The world woke up in a daze, metamorphosed into an immense dust wasteland. The final explosion not only ravaged the landscape, it also turned the atmosphere upside down, and rains have now become a thing from the past. I feel like I need some suitable background music to read this. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Reduced to using groundwater, humanity already has one foot in the grave. (laughs) <laughs> so that's that's basically before we even start the film. All right, that's where we're at. But the the film actually starts with a police car, American, obviously, driving through the desert with two cops who are being told to return to headquarters by a robot. And they're like, oh, we're not going to listen to no robots. And they just drive. They seem to be driving around trying to maintain law and order. I guess... But it's really weird because once they are basically dispatched of by our hero, that's the end of them. And we don't know whose law and order they were reinforcing because for the rest of the film, we're led to believe there is no law and order. I know. So there, this film I mean? starts out, the opening <laughs> sequence gives you the impression that there's some... some there's a least, society. Yeah, a society or a government or some kind of yeah. authority someplace. Yeah. It, 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 and there, there clearly is not. No. Um, but it also, obviously, I think it very much gives the impression that we're in Mad Max territory. So you might be forgiven, particularly if you were Italian and you read the Italian title, for thinking that these police guys are going to be our heroes. But um, it doesn't take long before they're not the heroes. Because it... do you think that that was a choice? Do you think that that's what they were? They thought they were they were doing there, which is they were setting the the uh, the audience up to think that those those are going to be the main characters of the of the film maybe it's a deliberate switcheroo yeah i don't know or yeah who knows yeah but yeah but it's fun i mean it's, it's but what because what it leads to 
is a great car chase um, as Alien turns up in his tricked-out exterminator, uh, which is a car that has bulletproof shields that open and close on the windows. Yeah. And um, inside, it's got, like, cameras and computers and all this kind of stuff. Um, and we get, we're treated to our first car chase. And I have to say, the act, I was really impressed with the action scenes in this film. I'm glad you said that because, man, I was too. This is really a film. Good. This is a film built around. I mean, not you know, not to the point of you. You feel like there's nothing else going on in the movie, but it, it's built around a number of really great action set pieces, and almost yeah. always there's a chase of some type involved. And I, man, they're good. They're actually interesting and and inventive. And yeah, they keep boy talk about holding your interest. I mean, they're very effective. Uh, well, well shot. Well done. The stunts are, are are very well well accomplished. I I, I was I was thoroughly happy with that. Yeah, I mean, some of them look really dangerous. I mean, I know. That's, oh yeah, that's partly the point. But you have to wonder. Some of them did seem really dangerous. There's there is one where a car rolls, and you can see the guy's white helmet inside, uh, as the car flips over, uh-huh. which was a which was a relief to know that he, you know, he, the driver did have a helmet on because he looked really bad. Um, I think this is possibly, I mean, we've seen a few car chases across this season, but I think this might be the best choreographed action, certainly closest to the kind of Mad Max 2 um, vehicle action that they're, they're, they're going for. Yeah, it's very effectively eff- effectively shot and done. And I got to say, I'm very impressed with the effective use of slow motion photography in these action sequences as well. They really knew how to deploy this. This shows, this, yeah. this re- these sequences really show that the director knew how to film this stuff and had a you know had enough of a, uh, enough experience to actually be able to put this stuff together effectively. There's some great action stuff in this movie. Yeah, because so Alien at one point, so he gets out of the car to check that the police are dead now or disposed of. I think he's run one of them over. I can't remember. But anyway, yep. whilst he does that, somebody steals his car and races off. So he jumps into the police car, chases after them, and we get another car chase. But this car chase ends with him flipping off a cliff and ending like the, the car is uh-huh. upside down and crushed, and he is stuck inside the car. And uh, then we leave him. <laughs> And we move off to somewhere yep. else. Just the movie goes on. Well, we leave him for a little while to wonder who was this guy, and what's happening now. So, uh, <laughs> meanwhile, I'll carry on with the with the poetic plot description here. So, a small community has achieved the impossible, sheltered in the bowels of the earth, and in the hope of better days, they have saved representatives of a few species of animals and recreated a semblance of agriculture. But the water that made the miracle possible is running out and only mud comes from the pumps. Now, I can't you just squeeze mud and get water out of it? That's just it. That's just my thought, my first thought. Mud, actually, I, I don't I don't want to confuse people. Follow me if you can. <laughs> but mud requires water. Yeah. To make mud, one must have moisture. Yeah. And so if one were to take mud and put it on things that need water... They would have water. Yeah. Well, you could, um, you know, if I'm like, 
put the mud out in the heat and then capture the moisture as it evaporates. And uh, and anyway. I can think of half a dozen ways to to conjure to conjure water from mud. But nevertheless, who are we to criticize their systems? So uh, this is where we meet Tommy, the young boy who is sitting watching across the wasteland from this base that they've got, because it turns out that his dad went off with a tanker to try because they know where they've somehow they know where water is. Um, which my first question was, why did they build their place where there yeah. is none? But I guess good question. I guess there was, there was water, but it's running out. So they've sent somebody off in a tanker to get somebody. He hasn't come back yet, and that the whole society is going to die if this one guy that's gone out into the wasteland doesn't come back. Uh-huh. And uh, that's a bit of a problem. And his mum is one of the scientists. And this is where we meet the senator, Eduardo Fajardo, who's basically telling them they've just got to pray that everything will be fine. Meanwhile, everyone else is complaining, look, we've got to go, let's send more people out, and so on and so on. Eventually, it's agreed that a new um, convoy is going to go and find the water. Tommy, of course, he wants to go, but they won't let him. But I'm sure we've seen this in a hundred movies. <laughs> They're heading down the road. They hear a noise. They open the curtain. Hey, there's Tommy with, of course, his pet hamster, which uh, presumably is because they're trying to keep the animals alive as well. They've got like a bit of a Noah's Ark situation going on. It's it's a yeah. I I I, I don't know. Before we get too far past this, we will, we should point out that the actor playing yeah, uh, speaking of, there, there a lot of a lot of great actors, a lot of very familiar faces. The actor playing the the little boy's father, who uh, uh, shall we say doesn't last long in this film, um, he's a he's a very familiar face as well. One that uh, we have run across in just this podcast alone, my friend, uh, Verentino. Oh, hold on, who are we talking about? Venet, Venet, Venetini. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, that's not his. That's not his father. That's the other guy who says. Oh, is he not? Oh, that's not okay. So, but it's one of the. It's it, he's along for the. He's along on that tanker truck. Yeah, he says, "Let's go out and, and you know, we need that's to send right. another truck." He's the, so other he's the guy. one who persuades them to go out. Um, well, I know I've seen him in Cannibal Ferox, but what film have we oh, seen? Oh well, him uh, in? we saw him in the Humanoid. Uh, oh wow, that was a long oh, time yeah. ago. Now. <laughs> I know we both slept since then. Uh, he he was, yeah. I mean, he was course. in a few, he was in a bazillion different things. I mean, a couple of the uh, Emmanuel films, Young, Violent, and Dangerous. Um, oh, we we definitely we did that one. Yep, yep. Uh, um, I mean, you, yeah, exactly. And he's he's one of those guys who he's a very once again a distinctive face. He was in City of the Living Dead. Uh, uh, he was in the New Barbarians, which is one that we you know that we we've kind of danced yes. around. Uh, he he's in a lot of movies, and he's he's another one of those craggy face Italian actors who seems yeah. to be able to play lots of different kinds of roles. And uh, I mean, he he yeah. even uh pops up in a in a small role in uh, Richard Donner's 1985 film Lady Hawk. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So he's just in a whole lot of movies, and of course, his career stretches back into the uh, the the 60s as well, popping up in uh, a few spaghetti yeah. westerns and even a few uh, larger. Uh, international productions like okay. The Agony and the Ecstasy and things like that. Oh, and he's the priest in The Seven Deaths in the Cat's Exactly, Eye. which is where you and I have talked about it before over which on The Bloody Pit. We've also done yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> wow. 
this guy, he could be like our lucky charm. <laughs> and um, he only died about five years ago, and he was still acting right up to the end. Yeah, I don't know that anybody who was in Emmanuel in Bangkok needs to ever be anybody's lucky charm. But yeah, 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 he could be. He could be. Yes. So yeah, you're right. So he's the guy who persuades the senator to let them try again. And Tommy um, hides in his truck. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Tommy's dad. Oh, Tommy's dad. But yeah, he, he did. I got a bit confused because of the way they cut it together. We've got we've just seen Alien get trapped in his car. Yeah. And then we cut to Tommy looking out into the desert, worrying about his dad. That sort of narrative structure made me assume straight away that Alien was Tommy's dad. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. Mm. But he, I mean, he, he's not. No, he's not. But just the way they put that together, oh, we, your dad isn't back. I assumed for a while that that meant this guy was his dad. Which, of course, maybe that's just setting us up for the ending of the film. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah that's that's a good way to put it, yeah. That's a good yeah, way to put it. He does become it. a kind of sur surrogate parent. But yeah, so they head off into the desert, but it, they're only about five minutes out when they immediately get attacked by Crazy Bull. And I would just like to say... My my, for all the faults that I want to lay at the feet of the poorly translated English dialogue, I I got to tell you that for my money, throwing the phrase "mother grabbers" into every yeah. scene that they could throw it into, come on, you mother grabbers! I swear <laughs> that is one of the best things about this movie. I mean, what is yeah. a mother grabber? There's there's a lot to be asked about that question, but that is the phrase that. That our our main villain, who looks like he was a an extra or attempting really hard to pretend that he was the main character villain in Road Warrior, uh, he, yeah. he throws that phrase out there. Be 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 you someone he hates or loves. Apparently, it's a yes. term of yeah. possible endearment. I don't know. Uh, yeah, and he's got this whole clan in uh, with tricks out cars, with spiked wheels, motorbikes, the whole works. Um, it's like he's borrowed them from the Atlanteans from the last episode. Or, you know, some, somebody grabbed a bunch of stuff and off the set yeah. of the Road Warrior and ran with it. I don't it know. Just, yeah. But it does look good. I, I just say that the, they have, there's a lot of chase scenes that go on and they are jumping across from vehicles. And th there's, there's a wide shot when they're chasing the convoy. And I, you can see in the wide shot that somebody on their motorbike just like, falls off they have an accident yeah. uh, which presumably wasn't meant to happen but they've just left it in the film anyway so you just see this bike flip out as they're all driving across the desert uh, and then there's loads more action and bike jumps and chases and yeah it's really good the action in this is the reason to come to this movie don't get me wrong if yeah. you're a fan of, of this genre the, the post-apocalypse genre it's a must see and yeah, I just just as an aside, I can't believe it took me as long as it did to finally see this movie. I just I never caught up with this until it came out on Blu-ray. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I mean, this was a first time watch for me, and so it's interesting because again, you know, the whereas Mad Max Two was all about um, tankers and and you know, protecting the oil reserves, this film they've just switched oil for water. And kept a lot of the same ideas. Yeah, now that happened. These tankers driving across the desert, but they're water, yeah. water thereafter. That change from uh, you know petrol to to water 
is something that a lot of these post-apocalyptic films did. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, is a very logical choice to make yeah. as far as yeah. trying to uh, to get across the idea of, of working hard to survive in a, in a, in a rough environment. And, um, yeah. it, it, of course, it, it does make you wonder why we never, in, in, in The Road Warrior, no one ever thinks, where are they getting their water? Aren't they out there yeah, in the middle they're... of nowhere? It's just that the movie is yeah. the, movie, the movie keeps you distracted with the actual story and all the action, so you yeah. don't ever ever consider that. But yeah, yeah, and so well, I mean, I, I want to jump ahead, really, because we're still only the beat like the first ten minutes of the film. So basically, <laughs> um, so oh crazy. God, we are. Ball, you're right. I'm sorry. Crazy Bull manages to take out everybody from this convoy, with the exception of Tommy. He's the one survivor. He manages to escape and um, he's wandering across the desert and then he discovers or he hears a sound and it is of course alien in his stuck in his upside down car yep and this is where i thought it was going to be a father tommy reunion which i was wrong about um but this is so he meets alien and this is quite a sassy kid and he's like yeah why should i rescue you what's in it for me um, but now this is something else where I got confused because the kid starts saying to him, well, do you know where there's a tanker? I need a tanker to go and get the water. And all I kept thinking was, you just had a tanker. <laughs> What's wrong with that one? <laughs> like he's just left, he's left his other tanker in the middle of nowhere. Why didn't he just go back to, I don't know, that seems a bit strange. But anyway, so they meet and lots of stuff happens. I think it's fair to say. They, Many thanks. He agrees to help him. And but before he can help him now, I'm slightly losing track of where I am. But I think that's where he has a fight again with Crazy Bull. Crazy Bull turns up, and Crazy Bull is annoyed with Alien because it turns out that the exterminator was his car. Right. So at some point, Alien has nicked Crazy Bull's car, which seems like it is the wrong kind of guy to antagonize. Unless um, you think that by stealing the car, you could get far enough away from him that he couldn't yeah, get you. Get away from that him. That did not work out. So Alien, uh, they have a bit of a fight, and uh, Tommy's arm gets pulled off. I mean, Tommy's, what is what is it that's happened? Oh yeah, they're trying to torture Tommy to find out where the water is. Right. And uh, Tommy's arm gets pulled off, and Alien takes him somewhere to get his arm fixed, but also where he knows there will be a tank. Well, wait, wait, we're we're if people who have not seen this film, we should point out that it is not his actual arm. Well, no. That's a good point. He has it is a, this, this a child. Arm. This child, uh, being in a film that took place after the 1970s existed, has a bionic arm. Yes, and uh, so it's broken, but luckily Alien knows who can put it back together. So he takes him to this compound where we get to meet none other than Pag himself. Ah, yes, in his best Pag beard. <laughs> and it isn't. Well, we're talking, of course, about Luciano Pigozzi, a.k.a. Alan Collins. A.k.a. And I the want to Italian say, Peter Lorre, yes. I want to say, isn't this isn't 1983 the same year as yours? Um, around the same period it's of time. It's very close. Depending, yeah, the, yeah. The, depending on when you date, you're the hunter from the future. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because there, you know, there was the, there's the television he, version, there's the film version. So, yes, yeah. true. It's possible that he flew straight from Turkey to Almeria to shoot this. Could, have been, could be possible. Um, now, I always love it when he turns up in a movie that's not an Antonio Margariti film. 
because you know we, we, we're, we're expecting him in the Margarita movies but when he just turns up in randomly it's almost like you forget that he was an actor that was in loads of stuff <laughs> it's almost like I just tend to think of him as being in Margarita's pocket the whole time you know and Margarita just pops him out ready for a film but actually no he was an actor he did loads of other films lots of other films so yeah it's always nice when he turns up and uh, he's a kind of gifted mechanic and engineer who before the apocalypse uh, was an astronaut who went to Mars apparently I know I love how they just they, they use side you know just sidelong pieces of dialogue to kind of give you this wider world of this history and it's completely yeah. it's almost always something where you just you just you just sit there thinking well could we see that movie? Could, where's the Where's the movie about that know. little adventure? Hang on a I second. I want to see Luciano Pigozzi on Mars. <laughs> exactly, that would have been amazing. So, just to kind of speed things through here, because we're still only in the first act. Um, so he agrees. Fine, after arguing with Alien, he agrees to fix this kid's arm. But the only anaesthetic he's got are, are loads of cans of beer. So he gets <laughs> Tommy really drunk <laughs> and uh, operates on him to fix his arm. Then Alien pops outside and finds the exterminator. So the car is there. And he also bumps into Trash, who it turns out is some kind of ex-girlfriend, I think. And she is the one who stole the car in the first place. Right. So now we've got our kind of core team together here um, who are going to go and find the water. Alien is pretending that it's because he wants to help Tommy save his people. But really, he just wants to sell the water to the highest bidder. Yep. Whereas Trash appears to be more altruistic and wants to help him save his people. And we could probably guess where it's going to go. But then, so they head off. They're all off on this adventure with another tanker and the exterminator to fight Crazy Bull, find the water, which when they get to the water, it's been guarded by what looked like the henchmen of Lord Buckethead. Okay, 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 yeah. Which is quite fun. And if, do you remember Lord Buckethead? What was that film that he was in that was like a Star Wars ripoff? Oh. Where the Darth, the Darth Vader was called Lord Buckethead. Anyway, he's basically a guy with a bucket on his head. Um, <laughs> and that's what these guys all look like. Oh, they're guarding well, yeah, the water. So, for those who are unaware, we should probably point out that Lord, Lord, Bucket, Lord Buckethead was um, uh, a political, well, a, a joke of a political candidate. Who, uh, oh, yeah. who tried to who tried to get into the British government re- repeatedly? Well, yes, yeah. I mean, actually, so that's a good point. So Lord Buckethead is a character from this film originally, and then somebody took on that persona uh-huh. to 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 campaign against Boris Johnson. But then the film company claimed. I wish I could remember what the film was. Um, the film company claimed copyright on Lord Buckethead. Well, the film, the film, the then, film Lord Buckethead was originally and was uh, called Hyperspace from uh, Hyperspace, 1984. So yeah. they they claimed copyright. So the guy that was the original Lord Buckethead changed his name to Count Bimface. <laughs> so now <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Now okay. he's got a that I didn't. Yeah. Know. So now he's got a bin on his face. And then a rival candidate of Lord Buckethead, who, sponsored by the film company, did take over. So now there's a Lord Buckethead and a Count Binface, both fighting the Uxbridge, I think it's um, Uxbridge South, whatever was Boris Johnson's constituency. So basically when Boris Johnson was, was, being, was up you know, in the election, he'd have to stand on the, uh, he'd have to stand up there at the front to receive all of the votes next to Count. 
Ben Face and, and Lord Buckethead is all very funny. I, I do love I do love that in in British politics, a character from a 1984 film that no one yeah. took seriously can be adopted and turned <laughs> into a way to to just embarrass the living crap out of actual politicians. Yep. And, and just just because it's a must here, you need to know that Lord Buckethead's manifesto in the 2017 election uh, was impressive because what he promised was strong, not entirely stable leadership, <laughs> which quite honestly yeah, could be what, a good description of British, British leadership from roughly yep. 2017 to the current day. So, Yep. So yeah, it's pretty funny. Anyway, that's what I, that's really what came to mind when I saw those guys in the film. But so <laughs> I think, well, I, I don't want to say any more. But um, so we've got our core team here. We've got um, surrogate mum, surrogate dad. We've got Tommy, surrogate grandfather, even surrogate grandfather with uh, Papillon, as I think he's called. Yep. Um, and the poster for Exterminators of the Year three thousand. The main image is. Tommy raising his fist in a kind of um, well, it's almost like the sort of black power salute they've got him doing on the on the poster. I know, and his hand in, uh, in the poster art, his hand is glowing, which I guess yeah, is supposed think, to indicate and, that maybe there was going to be more to his bionic arm than they could yeah, actually afford. And his his heart is as well, which is kind of strange. Oh, that's true. Yeah. But uh, it's because what's happened is um, Papillon has powered him up, so he's got a super bionic arm now. Which comes in very useful later on because he can throw stones that are basically act as bullets. I'm sorry, I just can't stop laughing. Super bionic arm. It, it, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's true, and yet I just wasn't prepared for that that phrase. I know, I know, it's great, isn't it? So yeah, he could take people out with his stones because he can throw them so hard, and yeah. So then it's just you know it's a chase to get to the water. Can they get the water before his people or or die of thirst? Um. What I will say is the ending of this film, and I'm not going to give it away, was very unexpected. Yeah. And there is a bit of a deus ex machina, which doesn't make any sense There's not, at all. It's not a bit of a deus ex machina. It is a <laughs> massive, holy crap deus ex machina. God has descended, from, literally descended from the sky, yeah. essentially. <laughs> it's it's like, yeah, it's the literal definition, isn't yeah. it? Because this comes out of nowhere. It's very funny. So the the ending were, is a bit of a left field uh, or, or you know left turn, but you just watch it and see is what I'll say. But but yeah, this has been one of my favourites of all the post apocalypse films I've done so far because yeah, yeah. primarily because the action is so well staged and there are some seriously good car crashes uh -huh. and jumps and flips and all kinds of cool stuff there's all, and there's almost um, no lag the film the film never feels yeah. like it's kind of oh, yeah. slowed down too much you know yeah yeah it's very well paced i mean it, it's almost like it's pointing towards what they would do in fury road where there's basically all of the mad max vehicles chasing a tanker for the whole film now i would i would we... i would say this i'm 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 cur i i, I, have, I there are a couple of disappointments in this film overall man did okay. i enjoy this movie but I have to say yeah. there are a couple little things where I felt like the the movie kind of promised something and didn't deliver, and then didn't deliver on it. And I, I just wonder what the reasons might have been. First of all, at the very beginning of the film, when we first meet Alien, we see him use Ebola to uh to you know the you know the the, the ball, balls on a cord that you sling at someone that is supposed to entangle their oh, limbs. Yeah. We see him use that once, 
giving you the impression that this is going to be something that reoccurs throughout the movie, and it doesn't. Yeah. It does not at all. I think it, does it doesn't he cut someone's head off with it at one point? I, but that, that's just it. It's I'm like sure he does what, once. What, yeah, it, once it's done, it's done yeah. one time, and then we never yeah. see that weapon used again the rest of the film. And I True. and I would love to know why. I wonder if the intention was <laughs> to actually it's probably use quite it. hard. Yeah, yeah, it's quite hard to film. I, I, I guess I, I, I don't know. <laughs> also, yeah, uh, uh, along with that, I really wish they'd used you know the 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 whole uh, whacking people in the head with a stone thrown by a bionic arm more in the movie once that starts to yeah. happen because that to me felt like oh this is this is this is great incredible yeah. what an incredible weapon to put in the hands of a of a, of a kid who uh, we're kind of rooting for the whole time it's like this is this is yeah. amazing so i wish they'd used that a little bit more and i i do wonder if at some point the idea wasn't to put the bola in the bionic arm and kind oh, of have him sling yeah. that and maybe cut somebody in half. I that's just that's just me wishing and hoping, people. That's not something yeah, that I have any indicator of. But could have cut a whole car in half. Oh, now you're getting more ambitious than I even yes. I did. Even okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that would have been, yeah. But I guess you know, time pressures often have a factor in these things, don't they? And, yeah, yeah. Um, and all these kind of things, but yeah, it's a great film, really fun. Um, I will say though that they never did convince me that it was the year three thousand. They just they well, didn't. No. So if it's the year three thousand, nobody had built a new car since the nineteen seventies. Since yeah, exactly. Like how long ago was this apocalypse? If they're still using the cars from the seventies, that, that that is an yeah. open question because we we'll, we will never get an answer. I I do know why no. you, you might want to throw the word you know the the year three thousand into the title of your post apocalyptic film, but yeah, honestly, if they had just especially when this film came out, if they had just said the year two thousand or yeah. twenty fifty or something like that, but I yeah. I suppose it sets it apart a little bit from all the others that have got 20-something in the title. I guess, I guess in the fictional yeah. world of people who love post-apocalyptic films, uh, by this time, by 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 some, whenever this film came out in 1983, we were already getting this, this roadblock, a bottleneck perhaps, of all these dates taking yeah. place in various years that, you know, granted, they might be 30, 40, 50, 60 years away, but, you know... These films can't all exist together, can they? This is sad. How we have to we have to differentiate ourselves in a way that will that will definitely make it stand out. Yeah, the year three thousand, sure, we'll 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 go that far. Yeah, yeah, it just makes it a bit different, but yeah, but it's basically completely arbitrary. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I said this was the eighth film, and I was wrong. This is actually the seventh film. Okay, good. So we've still got three more to go. Including if we're going back in time because we've got Warriors of the Year 2072 coming up. But uh, talk about an ar yeah, another think, arbitrary date. Yes. Yeah, because if you think about it, we've had 1990 Bronx, Bronx Warriors, 2020 Texas Gladiators, 2019 after the fall of New York. So, yeah, so 3000 is a bit different, I suppose, but ultimately completely arbitrary. Um, but yeah, well, that's I think that's basically it. So I think this is a this is getting a two thumbs up, isn't oh, it, from us? Definitely. I, 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 I'm appalled. Four thumbs up. I'm appalled at some of the uh, at some of the ridiculous. It's got well, let's put it two thumbs up from us and one bionic thumb up, surely. Uh, yes. But the the uh, I'm appalled at reading some of the the reviews on this film, uh, even dating up to today, and people are just not just not really. 
finding anything in this to enjoy, you know, giving it some kind of, you know, phrases like feeble sci-fi road film. It's like, no, dude, come on. <laughs> yeah. Did, did, did you, were you recovering from an appendix surgery? Come on, this thing is what fun. What more could they want from, yeah, what could they want from a film? Um, so I thought we'd just finish. I've got an email that I'd like to read that was sent to us by Kurt. Thank you, Kurt. Uh, he starts by saying, please don't read this on air. I already bug certain podcasters way too much. <laughs> but I did reply to say we don't get bugged enough, so I was going to read it out. Um, first, thank you for covering Raiders of Atlantis. I've been curious about it for a while, and now I have to pull the trigger on seeing it. I didn't realize the Atlanteans had super advanced technology now lost for tricking out 1950s hot rods. Thank you for rediscovering it. Uh, yeah, well, yes, we discussed last time the, the Atlantean technology is slightly confusing but it's completely but confusing nonetheless it's one of the but but still still good uh so he, he picked up on something we said last time next i'm pretty interested in the idea of a jungle girl mini season ah yes there's a there's a lot of repetition between movies how many single engine planes carrying small girls went down over the jungle anyway and is all the wreckage visible from space <laughs> I mean, excellent question it is an excellent did they um, all crash in the same area hey yeah, but he said, I think there's enough to make exploration worthwhile. The movies go from innocent to quite dark. Oh, yeah. And then he he mentions that both of the Gungala movies are available from Sinister Cinema, uh, English-friendly editions. Cool. Um, he says, Jungle Girls aren't plausible exactly, but Kitty Swan is the most athletic portrayal I've seen, and she looks like she can handle pretty much anything, even white men. Uh, it's a real tragedy what happened to her while filming a later Jungle movie. Yeah. Uh, which I'm not... Yeah. We'll, 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 we'll get, get to that. that. We'll get to I'm that, yeah. Not familiar. Uh, then he just mentions the theme. Um, A.F. Lavagnino composed a nice theme for the first Gungala movie. Nice enough to get reused in at least two separate Jungle Girl movies. Um, once I had these soundtracks, I had to get them. Beware, you might spend more money than you originally planned on. Well, I mean, isn't that always the way? It's always that. Where as soon as you go so, down one of these genre rabbit holes, it becomes yeah. it becomes something that you fear the walls are going to cave in on you because you've gone far too deep. Yes, exactly. But yeah, thank you, Kurt, for getting in touch. Always good to uh, to hear from you. So please do anybody who's listening, if you've got favorite uh, post apocalypse films, or just do want to talk to us about anything, really, we'd love to hear from you. There's the email. Uh, which is just worldwildpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and also on Instagram or just stop one of us in the street. <laughs> if if you live in Middle Tennessee <laughs> or in Eastburn. <laughs> yes. That's the other, yeah, that's the other way. Uh, so, Rod, anything you want to mention before we finish? Uh, no, uh, I'm uh, sorry that it has taken us uh, over long to get a new episode out. Both of us have been uh, working yeah. on uh, 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 some other projects, some of which we'll be able we'll be at liberty to talk about in the future. Uh, some of the a couple of things that we're doing together, as well as other uh, adventures in uh, podcasting. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, June has been quite the month. Yes, it has. Um, so, but yeah, so we are. We I think we can say that we're recording a couple of commentary tracks. So, so that's going to be happening soon. I know at least one of those is going to be announced in about a month's time. Ah, okay. Because it's quite we're quite close to the release with that one. Um, but anyway, more news as we can uh, when we can share it with you. But 
hopefully we will get to the end of this post-apocalypse season before the actual apocalypse. And then we can move on to the uh, the mini-season. The Jungle yes, Girls. the Jungle Girl mini-season, which uh, it would be nice if we could get yes. to it while the, the weather is still extraordinarily hot, but I have the feeling that we're yes. not going to have to worry about that because I think it's going to be extraordinarily hot all the way into November. Yes, and we will all be uh, desperate for water, <laughs> just yes. like... Just like Toby and his mum. Uh, the bi- and, and at no point did anyone ever refer to him as the bionic boy. Oh, yep. That would have been good. I would have liked it. Uh, it. It reminded me a little bit. Did you ever see a film in the 80s called Daryl? D-A-R-Y-L. Oh, no. I, I'm aware of what it is, but I never did see it. Yeah. No. About a ro- robot boy. I loved that film when I was a kid. It spoke to me. Is it... to? Does, does it hold up? Do you have any ideas? It... Oh, I don't know. I haven't seen it since about 1986, but I watched it a lot. And um, yeah, a kid who's about your age, who's got bionic powers. Oh, fantastic. Seemed like heaven, huh? Yeah, I would have loved the Exterminators of the Year 3000 when I was uh, when I was 10. I guess Daryl would have been wish fulfillment for you at that age. And, yes. And Exterminators of the Year 3000 would have been... That would have been the the height of madness after something like Road yes. Warrior, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, you get in touch with us, like I said. You can buy us a virtual coffee. Uh, all the links are in the show notes and all that stuff. We will be back hopefully uh, before the end of the summer. Yes, uh, we'll try and <laughs> we will we'll do our best. Um, but until then, uh, keep watching the skies or whatever. Uh, or just keep watching films. Or just keep watching the mud in Alamera, I guess. Yes, absolutely. So, uh, I am Adrian, and I thank you for listening. I am Rod Barnett. <laughs> I am Rod Barnett. And, we will... and now as, <laughs> we, step all, as we step all over each other, I'm Rod Barnett. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. I, 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 who knows? <laughs> we, we both get confused at the end of the show, no matter what we yeah. do. In case people have forgotten who they're listening to by the time we get to Hey, they could. They could. Yeah, and probably for the best. Thanks, everybody. uh, See you soon. Bye. Bye. Um, You know what? Keep keep all of that at the end because that's hilarious. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.